Hello, everyone. Welcome to GradCast. We are the official radio show of the Society of Graduate Students. I'm your host tonight, Sabrina, and I am co-hosting with Chantal Lemire. Hi. And we've got Shannon, uh, sorry, <laughs> Susan. I can't read my writing. I've got Susan on the desk. I do know your name, but, but you do know my name, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I am reading Shannon. <laughs> and we have a special guest tonight. We have Colin McMahon here, and he will be speaking about uh, Antoinette, a chamber opera. Hello, Colin. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. So uh, I'll let you get started. Can you tell us a little bit uh, about your project and uh, about your work? Okay, well, uh, today I'm here to talk about my master's thesis composition. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a student of composition at the Faculty of Music here at Western. And uh, this Thursday, we're, we're performing my thesis, which is a small chamber opera called Antoinette. That's super exciting. So uh, what, it, what is a chamber opera? Uh, well, to, to put it bluntly, it's an opera, but smaller. <laughs> um, this is a one act. It's only about 35 minutes. So uh, you can come. It's at 6 p.m. It's only 35 minutes and out the door you go. Um, and also we have kind of a reduced orchestra. There's there's five singers and then a, a much smaller orchestra than you'd expect from a full-scale opera. And, and what kind of things would, um, would make you decide to do that chamber size of an opera instead of sort of the full big production, you know? Well, uh, there's a lot of things that go into that. Uh, first off, I'm... I'm a little young, uh, so handling the, the forces of a full opera is pretty intimidating still. Uh, and uh, uh, on top of that, I really wanted to make sure that this opera was performable as possible. I wanted to be able to bring it to people to share with my friends and family and, uh, and the, the music community here in London and, and people from you know, outside the music community especially. Uh, so, so doing this made it very easy to put on to find performers and find friends who are willing to help me out in this, uh, this little endeavor. Fantastic. And when you started your master's, was this, uh, was, was doing an opera sort of the thing that you wanted to do by the end, or did that something that um, sort of unfolded as you went through the process? Uh, to be honest, not just starting my master's here, actually starting my undergrad here, kind of my goal has been for a really long time to get to doing opera. Uh, the, kind of the whole reason I'm a composer was because I fell in love with opera and said, I want to do that. Uh, so it's been about eight or nine years in the making coming to this, my, my first little opera. And uh, then this one's called Antoinette. So am I right in guessing that it has something to do with uh, Mary? Yeah, yeah, Marie Antoinette is the, is the focus. It deals with uh, the final days of Marie Antoinette. Um, so you can guess it's not, uh, it doesn't end too well for her, but uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's just about Marie Antoinette is the centerpiece, definitely. Fantastic. And when I'm looking at the, the scoring here, you said, so you have five um, vocalists and Marie Antoinette is the, is the mezzo-soprano. And that's like the, what kind of voice type in, is that? Where would that be? Uh, so a mezzo-soprano is lower than a mezzo, uh, mid-soprano. Uh, so it's higher than an alto, lower than a soprano. Um, and uh, Jade, who is singing Marie for us, is a uh, fabulous, really dark, rich, beautiful tone to her voice. So she really makes it feel dramatic and big when she's singing. So setting, uh, setting Marie Antoinette to that voice type is like helps reinforce the character. Yeah, you? yeah. We definitely wanted to make sure Marie Antoinette felt like a really established female character, not um, that she didn't lack agency. That she was this big, dramatic gravitas sort of thing, and she is. She is in our our culture still today, kind of a 
a monolith of of culture. She's her own thing. So, what, so tell me what happens in the in the last days. Like, what do you cover in your thirty five minute sort of production? So we start uh, just before the revolution. We we for a half hour opera we cover a really large time span in terms of years. We kind of condense it. Uh, so we we start off with before the revolution. We get kind of a picture of Marie Antoinette as queen. And then we move quickly from that to the revolution and her under house arrest under uh, Gilbert de Mottier, who was the, the, the French general in charge of her at the time, uh, towards her confrontation with the, one of the leaders of the revolution, uh, Robespierre, all the way until her final execution. And what, ins- what inspired you to set this story? So, it, well, for one, it's kind of just a, a time in history and a place that I find really fascinating and really exciting. Um, something I like to read about. But uh, where it started from, uh, Ray Sue, who's the librettist, a fantastic poet from Vancouver. Uh, librettist means he write, who wrote the words, by the way. Um, we, we started talking about ways to try and write an opera where the sort of um, fatal flaw of the main character was consumerism. Mm. Um, so Marie Antoinette kind of sits greatly as this historical figure who's all about consuming. Not, not that she chose so much she was expected to she was a queen she had to be lavish in everything she did and this turned public opinion against her uh, at a time when france was running into financial crisis and eventually she kind of she kind of had to pay for that so in a sense uh, marie antoinette kind of stands up as this perfect model for a very modern ideal which is that the way we in western society consume our lifestyle uh, eventually the bill comes due you know uh, eventually we're gonna have to pay for that in a sense so that was the goal of using marie antoinette um, and are there any sort of themes that emerge through your opera um, and the telling of this particular story? It, it's really difficult to write a very political opera right now without thinking about Donald Trump. <laughs> so we get a little bit of strongman politics in there. Uh, we also, uh, old school opera, you know, Mozart and Rossini has a bit of a problem with female characters really lacking late agency. Absolutely. So that's something we wanted to address. Um, so, and is that something that you address that Ray deals with in the text that you deal with in the music? Yeah, um, both in both senses, really. So, uh, Ray's actually a, a professor of uh, gender studies and social justice at UBC. So he's he knows everything about that sort of stuff. Uh, so we kind of came at it from two places. We wanted to make sure Marie was a strong agency-filled character, uh, but we also kind of parodied old-school opera in a sense. We have a character just named the maid on purpose without a real name. And kind of the whole crux of her character is that she's unable to affect her fate. Okay, so is that something typical? Is like a maid a typical character in old school opera, as you put it, kind of thing? You get a, you get a lot of things like that, maids or uh, uh, handmaidens, that sort of thing. Um, and a lot of the time, the sort of typical soprano in an opera uh, back in those days just kind of sings about how she feels and then either falls in love and gets to live happily ever or commit suicide because she didn't fall in love and it's it's not the greatest so we're kind of trying to address that and what about some of the uh, male characters in your opera who do we who do we get to, to get to meet so we get uh we get uh louis the king uh and marie's husband we get robespierre who is the revolutionary leader and kind of um opposed to marie and then we have dumotier who is um kind of uh holds a lot of uh our kind of the bad side of our uh feminist viewpoint there. He's kind of the bad guy in that sense, as well as Robespierre and how they treat women. Um, it's always interesting to me to think, because I'm not a composer myself, and so I think a lot about um, how uh, 
how we sort of like how a composer might realize or um, or work out some of these uh, sort of cultural tensions in in music, right? Like a lot of us do it in words, in our own writing, or in the studies that we do and stuff like that. How do you, how do you approach those kinds of things in in notes? So. Uh it's really hard to talk about opera in a purely musical sense without dealing with the drama because what opera really focuses to do is to heighten the drama on stage present in the libretto. Uh, so we try and do things like using something called a leitmotif, which is where you connect uh, a little bit of music to an emotion or to a character and then you bring that back in other situations to try and provide a bit of composer-y commentary. Um, so the characters have sort of associated sounds. Yeah, kind of yeah, and then and and emotions and themes have associated sounds as well. So then you hear that theme come back when something else is happening on stage, and that allows me to make a little bit of my own commentary on the text. Fantastic. And do the instruments that you have uh, contribute to that as well? What would a character have a certain like timbre or instrument associated with them as well? Or? Definitely. Uh, we get to. Uh, I do something kind of fun. Uh, it's kind of a hallmark of new music is is bowing a vibraphone and creates this really beautiful shimmery overtony sound. And I kind of use that uh, to represent, you know, fate coming a lot of the time. That's a cool technique. A lot of the time, Marie is represented by the clarinet uh, and the maid by the flute mm-hmm. and Robespierre by the piano. Mm-hmm. Okay. So though really, maybe you could, would you say that there's uh, there's six characters in the opera, <laughs> the five realized one and then the, and then fate, which is only a musical character? Uh, yeah, that's that's certainly a way to put it. Or, or maybe just the orchestra and the orchestra's commentary becomes a narrator in a sense. Fantastic. Fantastic. And, uh, and so this, I understand, is a production that you are actually realizing. Is that typical of master's theses or? No, it's not. It has happened in the past. I believe it used to happen a bit more than it does nowadays. Uh, what's actually required of my degree is that I get a recording done in a reading situation. Uh, but I had so many friends and family who wanted to see what I was spending the last year and a half of my life on that I really wanted to make sure I could bring it to the community. Fantastic. And, w- and when are you doing that? Uh, that's this Thursday, 6 p.m., uh, so... March 16th, and that's uh, in PDT, Paul Davenport Theater, which is in Talbot College, just down the hill from UC. Fantastic. And who are some of the people that are participating in your production? Uh, Well, I've got a good friend of mine, uh, Patrick Bowman, directing the production. Uh, We have a fabulous cast. Uh, Brianna DeSantis is helping produce. And uh, a friend of mine, Dylan Maddox, is conducting. And how how did it go getting together the group to put this on? I think for like the rest of us that are researchers, if you imagine your thesis requiring twenty people to all volunteer their time to put it on, I mean that's a huge thing to do. So what was the process like getting that getting this to happen? You know, the the hardest part of that was just kind of saying go. Um, mm. I was I was really panicking about it, trying to get all my all my eggs in a row trying to make it all work before I really said it was happening. But I found once I just picked a date and said, this is happening, I started going to people and asking for their help. I I found an incredible amount of support. A lot of people just jumped on board and were really excited about it. And uh, it was far easier than I was expecting Mm. by an incredible margin. Can I I actually ask a question about that? Um, Now, you said this is happening Thursday. Is this something that's open for people to see? Yes, it's open to the public. In fact, uh, we've had Paul Davenport Theater is a very big theater. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'd love to get as (laughs) many people (laughs) as possible. And it's free. Okay, that was going to be my other question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
so sometimes new, new music um, can be a little bit daunting or strange or different from what we're normally used to hearing. So what kind of, like, what's, what's your aesthetic like as a composer? What sort of influences do you have? Uh, what can we expect to hear as a curious well, type? As a composer, I'm trying very hard to figure out what my aesthetic is right now <laughs> uh, as a young composer. Uh, I draw from a lot of a lot of styles. You get a lot of things in there. Uh, you're going to get things that kind of reminisce of rock and roll, even or uh, dubstep, um, <laughs> in a in an abstract sense. Don't expect any wub wubs. Um, but uh, and also from newer music things, you know, classics of new music like Boulez and Messiaen, and as far back as Rameau, who is a broke French composer, who actually wrote pieces for Marie Antoinette. They're all in there. I, I kind of cram as much as what I listen to into the opera as I can. Fantastic, and uh, and what comes next for you after? Uh, I didn't I didn't tell him I was going to ask that question. <laughs> um, well, yeah, what comes next for you after this, this is a big thing to, to put on. So, uh, so sleep for a bit, I yes. suppose. <laughs> uh, play play Zelda. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I'm starting uh, DMA at U of T next year, so that, Fantastic. and I don't know where that's going to exactly take me. Uh, stage works are definitely what I love. I want to write a ballet. I want to write as many operas as I have time in my life to do. Uh, so plenty to go. <laughs> and uh, how did you get involved with working with uh, Reisu? I found him at a really incredible uh, uh, program run out of Vancouver called the Vancouver Art Song Lab. Um, it's, uh, he was actually the director of the program. And uh, so I was there working with a librettist, a local poet from Vancouver to write a piece of art song and just got talking to him while I was there at that, at that conference. It was, it was kind of serendipitous. Fantastic. Are you from Vancouver, or where are you from? Sorry. No, I'm from I'm from London actually. Oh, okay. I, I grew up in Byron. Oh, awesome. Okay. So then, is that did you do your undergrad at Western as well? Or yes, yeah, yeah. I, I found my way to Vancouver through just googling online. Actually, it's it's not a connection, but uh, yeah. So I did my undergrad here at Western and my masters. Okay. And your undergrad was in music as well? Or? Yes. Yeah, in okay. composition. And composition. Okay. Um, my background is in theater, so um, oh. I'm new to opera, but just hearing you guys talk about how you put a the like a show together, right? It's very much of, okay, this is the date and we're going to do it. Figure and it as we go. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're from the area, right, it makes it so much easier. You have that friends, you have those connections. You can kind of think of the person you want to be the certain person and who's going to jump in and help you. So Yeah, so doing my undergrad here, I have a lot of friends who are singers, a lot of friends who are instrumentalists who I was able to bring on board. Um, and then some theater connections from London, which has a fantastic theater scene. Uh, had to get in touch with Art Fiddler, this kind of character of, of London theater to help me find some set pieces and things like that. Uh, the, the, there's sort of a community of putting on art in London that's really supportive and really great. Yeah, totally. Um, and who, sorry, who is your director and how did you choose them? And, or like, is, so yeah. Pat, Pat's, Pat's a really good friend of mine. We, we uh, go all the way back to O Week in, in first year. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. And he's, a, he's just an amazing actor and singer and he really, really gets a lot out of them. So it, it was really great having him on board. So I have another kind of question. As someone who isn't involved in any theater or anything ever, um, what is involved in a degree, undergrad and master's in music? I know mm -hmm. I know what it takes to do a degree in science, and I can't imagine, I can't think of a parallel that would be the same in for music. It's, uh, it's I've, getting, I've had this question before, um, and it's kind of a hard thing to explain. I suppose the closest parallel is actually professional school like law or engineering or something like that because it's more about uh, the skill sets we're acquiring 
they're, they're very hard skill sets. We do things like ear training and theory and stuff like that. Uh, but there is also research components to it as well. Um, yeah, so for my degree at least, I did two years, a year of coursework here at Western and then a year of just taking lessons every day with my advisor and, and writing an opera. Okay, so there are, it is partial coursework as well. Yeah, definitely. And is undergrad mostly coursework? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's still a, like a take lessons with a composer sort of element if you're in composition, mm -hmm. but uh, mostly coursework. Okay, cool. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, yeah, you, me you mentioned earlier getting in touch with our fiddler about uh, securing some sets and stuff like that, and I realized I hadn't really thought about that. What's the, what does it look like when you come in? What's the set like? Uh, so uh, it's kind of a variant on, on the black box stage theater thing. We have a very limited thing going on. Um, <laughs> but uh, So for example, we don't have a pit, so the orchestra is on stage in a little bit of darkness, but okay. on there for you to watch them play and the conductor to conduct while they're up there with the singers. Uh, and then we just have simple boxes painted uh, white with a gold fleur-de-lis on them to kind of represent the French royal family, the French royal flag. And then after the revolution, we're putting big tablecloths on them in uh, blue, white, and red to re represent the revolution that way. And what about costumes? Uh, we're doing a pretty simple thing uh, uh, <laughs> towards accoutrement. Uh, so okay, they're okay. in orchestra blacks, just wearing blacks with little things to insinuate character. Mm -hmm. uh, pretty, pretty minimal. It's, uh, it's a very small production, obviously. Mm -hmm. And do you feel like that's worked out well to fit the music and to fit the aesthetic of the sounds you're working with? Yeah, I suppose the, the other option is to do a really two-era production of it, but that doesn't quite feel right either, you know, if you're doing big frilly dresses and uh, the frilly collars and all that sort of stuff, because the idea is to take this content, this story, and modernize it quite a bit. So, uh, yeah, the, the slimmed-down minimalist really fits the music, I think, in the story. And it is in English, yeah? Yeah, it is in English, yeah. Uh, it's Did the only you think about French at all? Or? <laughs> it was actually mentioned trying to do a translation, but uh, that's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. You've got to make it fit syllables and music, not just not just meaning. So. And how long was the was the partnership process with uh, with you and Ray? Uh, did he write the libretto first, or did you work back and forth with him? Or? Yeah, we had, a, we had a ton of back and forth. We kind of had... Uh, I think it was Tuesday nights uh, that were just right, right opera night, and we just kind of got online with Skype or message board sort of thing and just shot ideas back and forth, and then he'd go away for a week and write up a couple scenes. We'd come back, we'd talk about them, we'd think about what was next. It was very collaborative, uh, but also very quick. Ray's a very prolific writer, so he was able to turn around our ideas that we had very quickly. And I know you're probably, you're, I mean, it's, your project, so you love all of it. But uh, if you if you had to pick a favorite character, could you could you pick one or a favorite moment or a little gem you got out of it? Uh, one of my favorite little things that I got to do uh, that was a lot of fun was we have a, a guillotine. Obviously, it's it's kind of a character in the opera too. Is the uh, the coming guillotine? Uh, so to do a guillotine without a giant three thousand set piece guillotine, uh, <laughs> I tried to do it musically. And uh, where I drew inspiration for that was from dubstep, as was mentioned, the idea of like drop. So I have a really big crescendo with all the orchestra going at it as much as they can, and then just all of a sudden cutting to a very thin texture with just a snare drum mm -hmm. playing away a little uh, execution riff. Fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, and another part of the theatrical production, we talked about sets and about costumes and stuff like that. What about lighting? Is that something that you've been working a lot with? Do you have... We're, we're doing uh, very minimal lighting. We've got a little blue break up, lights up, lights down, nothing much. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Very cool. 
Yeah, um, there's just always so much to think about, right? Yes. Lighting, and music, and sound, and costumes, and getting everyone on stage at the right moment. I would say that the most difficult part has been uh, coordinating schedules, really. <laughs> getting all these busy, talented people together. Um, but uh, yeah, there's tons to think about. And uh, luckily, I have a really great team around me. I've brought a lot of people who really know what they're doing. And uh, they've been able to run with a lot of ideas and, and turn them into something pretty great. So um, the show is Thursday, but um, when's your, like, are you doing rehearsal, dress rehearsals this week, or how does that work for you guys? Yeah, we just had a sits probe this afternoon, actually. Uh, sits probe means we sat down, sits, okay. uh, with the orchestra to play through it and kind of line up the orchestra. And what we've been doing with the singers, which has been blocking with piano for the past three or four weeks now. Okay. Uh, and then we'll dress rehearsal tomorrow night, and then on stage we go. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Okay. Um, so um, so what's um, next after this? You mentioned a little bit about what you're doing. Like, uh, that's one thing. <laughs> Once you catch the itch, right, it's hard yeah. to not have a, another project to jump into and look forward to. Uh, well, I'm trying to pick between... I've got, I've got a work to write for uh, Harp and Winds. That'll be kind of my summer project. Uh, but after that, I've been trying really hard to decide what I want to do next, if I want to do a little ballet or another little opera. Uh, I kind of want to write a comedy, so we'll see how that goes, because I love opera as comedy. I think it's, uh, it's just great when opera these big cartoon characters on stage. It's just a blast. Uh, but Because uh, also, Enchimet's a little heavy. It's got, it's got humor, actually. It ha does have moments, but it's, it's not the funniest opera, I'll say. Um, so yeah, maybe that, maybe a little ballet. I, I haven't decided. I've got too many options. Mm -hmm. okay. um, I think it's, it's really neat to know that uh, the librettist for this, uh, Ray, is someone that you met through Outsong Lab, and uh, it's, uh, it's neat to actually that Outsong Lab is a project that was ori like originated with Ray, but also with um, a fellow, Michael Park, who's a Western alumni. So it's neat to see this sort of come around and, and, uh, and be brought back here as... Yeah, Western music alumni are, are all over the place. They really uh, occupy the world, and you can yeah, I've, I've found help from them in any city in Canada and beyond. And one last question um, before we have to wrap up. How did you get interested in opera? And what was your, yeah, first... <laughs> <laughs> so I was actually um, a like a musical theater guy growing up. Uh, my family was kind of a musical theater family, uh, so I did original kids here in London. And uh, on top of that, I did like a little singer songwriter stuff with the guitar, the coffee house thing. It's kind of like a little gateway drug into composition, uh, just that creation process there. And someone told me to go listen to some opera singers to get an idea for for Broadway technique. And I listened to Pavarotti do Il Pagliacci, which is the the sad uh, clown opera from that Seinfeld episode. Um, and just the end of it was just so incredibly moving, so incredibly powerful that I was just kind of hooked. And I've been focused at trying to get to doing opera ever since. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And uh, so I would love to go see the show on Thursday. So I do I just show up or I have to get tickets or how do I do this? Yeah, just show up 6 p.m. Uh, PDT, which is in the ground floor of Talbot College. You can just walk in, big glass doors, head to the right and uh, walk in and take a seat. It's nothing very formal. It's very open. 
Okay. And um, if any of our listeners are interested in following, like, are you on social media or do you share anything? Like, I have a website. Would you like to share? Yeah. I want to help out any any of your future endeavors. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Certainly. Uh, right. The, the, the social media plug thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do have a website, colinmcmahon.com. Managed yeah. to snag that. Um, and a Facebook page, uh, YouTube, SoundCloud, the whole works. Uh, just under Colin McMahon or Colin McMahon Composer. Okay. Awesome. We'll check it out. So, um, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. This has been GradCast. Uh, we're on every Tuesday at uh, 6 p.m. You can check us out on the web as well. And we have podcasts also available. So, thank you for listening. And um, take it away, Susan, if I've missed anything. <laughs> or uh, we'll see you guys Thursday. <laughs>